everyone. My name is Melissa Bartles and I am a cropping systems educator with Nebraska Extension. And today I'm going to tell you about what's new in plant pathology. And this presentation was put together by some of us from the plant pathology team denoted here. So what I'm going to cover today is a personnel update additions to the guide for weed disease insect management here in Nebraska. So that's our big red book that we put out every year that has a lot of really good information and we keep it updated new products for corn, soybean, sugar beet, and wheat, and touch a little bit on new and emerging diseases. And we'll wrap up talking about the plant and pest diagnostic clinic on campus and the update on sample fee, recommendations on how to submit a sample. So our plant pathology team, we have specialists and educators. So our specialists have a statewide appointment. Dr. Tamara Jackson-Zims covers corn and sorghum and it has been covering soybeans. Hopefully in the near future, we can get a soybean pathologist. Then Dr. Stephen Magulo, who covers small grains and forages and Dr. Bob Harvison, who covers specialty crops. We have educators throughout the state with a focus in plant pathology. Kyle Broderick is our diagnostician for the Plant and Pest Diagnostic Clinic. Amy Timmerman up in Holton Boyd County. Sarah Sivitz over in Dawson, Buffalo and Hall, myself in Butler and Polk, and Jenny Reese in York and Seward. So if you have any plant disease questions, please feel free to reach out to any of us and we'd be happy to help you or point you in the right direction to get you some answers. Additions to the disease section in our guide for weed disease and insect management, so our red book, we have new fungicide content. So we have a added a potato fungicide table for seed, soil, and foliar applications. And for our corn, we've added a column to our foliar fungicide table that denotes whether that product can be used for field, sweet, seed, and or popcorn. And we've also added a foliar fungicide table for alfalfa. So we hope you find those resources helpful. So here are some new products added for disease management. So here we have corn and all of these tables are set up the same. So we have our trade name over here on the left. And then we have our active ingredients here in the middle and our fungicide classes over here on the right side to denote if there's multiple modes of actions for that product. We also have a soybean. And this has an extra column. So here we have whether it can be used on foliar, foliar or a seed treatment. And here are some of our new products for wheat. Uh, one new product for sugar beet. And then a few new products for our nematicide table. So if you'd like to look at those in more detail, uh, they are in your weed guide or go ahead and download these slides. So here we have new and emerging diseases and issues. So we're gonna cover a couple of these that have kind of popped up over the last few years. So corn, we have our bacterial leaf streak, physoderma uh, brown spot, which is a node rot phase, uh, tar spot, soybeans. So we have frog eye leaf spot, sudden death syndrome and wheat, uh, Fusarium boothii causing head blight. So if you wanna look at these in more detail, we're not gonna cover all of those today, but 
definitely feel free to go ahead and download these slides to take a closer look. So for our corn disease update, bacterial leaf streak, this isn't a new disease, but it's still an issue and it was widespread in 2020. And we have confirmed this in 75 counties across Nebraska. It did expand into the panhandle in 2019. And this disease was actually confirmed for in Nebraska in 2016, but actually this was the first time it was confirmed here in the US. And this is caused by a bacterium, just like the name denotes is, is a bacterial leaf streak. So it's actually caused by a xanthomonas. And what we're looking for here is the margins are wavy and they have a yellow discoloration when they're held up to the light. So this can be confused with gray leaf spot, but the thing to denote is gray leaf spot is caused by a fungus and that's gonna have more of a rectangular shape with very um, straight margins where this is, has more of a wavy margin. So you can kind of see the irregular shape here. And that's what we're looking for to distinguish this from gray leaf spot. So tar spot is another disease that we want to be on the lookout for. And this was confirmed in the U.S. in 2015. And tar spot, it looks like somebody took a black paintbrush or a paintbrush with black paint on it and kind of speckled your leaves. And so you, what you want to do is you want to go ahead and rub your fingers on there. And if you can't scratch it off, it might be frog or excuse me, it might be tar spot. And it can also cause kind of these frog eye rings, as you can see here on this left picture. And these black dots are raised but you can't, like I said, you can't, you can't scratch them off. But if you do see anything that looks similar to this, uh, please submit a sample to the UNL Plant Pest and Diagnostic Clinic. And where they have seen this and had pressure of this for several years, they're seeing um, less than a 50% yield loss, but they are seeing some yield losses. So here we can see the spread of tar spot. So the different colors are the different years. And if you wanna track tar spot, you can actually visit this website right here. And so this started in nor Northern Illinois and Northern Indiana, and it has spread as you can see since 2015. And it spread from central Iowa to West Iowa under very favorable conditions in 2019. And it moved from East to West because we had a weather system that actually had moved from East to West. Cause uh, that's not typically the way our weather systems move, but this year it did, which actually helped it spread from the middle or eastern part of Iowa all the way to one county away from Nebraska, and it spread that far in two weeks. Um, and so we are going to look for this, and we're going to look in the northern, you know, maybe the northeast part of Nebraska. Um, is where we suspect we may see it first. So again, if you do see anything that looks similar, please reach out to your local educator, extension educator, or uh, any of our specialists. So that way we can get a sample or you can submit a sample directly to the diagnostic clinic and we would greatly appreciate that. So moving, just touching a little bit on some soybean diseases, frog eye leaf spot. And frog eye leaf spot is not a new disease but it does cause small tan to gray lesions, as you can see here with a red to purple border. We typically see these in the uppermost canopy. So the upper leaves of that soybean plant and they favor warm and moist 
conditions. So although it's not a new disease, what is new is we do have fungicide resistance. So our group 11 fungicides um, had typically been used to control this disease. However, we were getting uh, communications that uh, around us, other states had been seeing some resistance to these group 11 fungicides. And so we started looking and we went ahead and tested these. We went out and pulled samples from these counties here. And they're highlighted because we did find resistance in each of those counties. Um, I do want to denote that these are the only counties we sampled. And every county we sampled, we were able to confirm resistance within that county. Um, so we have, we're working on an expanded survey in the that we're they're currently running right now we expanded our survey in 2020 and they're currently running those um so we're we're working on that but that is something to denote so if you do have frog eye leaf spot make sure that you're using multiple modes of actions to control that and not just relying on our group 11. All right, so transitioning over to wheat. So in 2015, there was a widespread fusarium head blight here in Nebraska. And what they found, and that you can see the team denoted here, was that it was the first report of fusarium boothii causing head blight of wheat here in Nebraska. And that they went ahead and collected symptomatic wheat heads uh, during the wheat disease survey across the state. And the reason that this is a concern is that it can also be a pathogen of corn. So Fusarium head blight is caused by two fungi, Fusarium germiarum and Fusarium boothii. But this Fusarium boothii can actually cause issues on our corn also. So what they did is they went ahead and took pure isolates of the fusarium from the heads collected, and they used traditional molecular methods to identify the isolates. And what they found were three isolates from Western Nebraska were identified as fusarium boothii, two from Chase County and one from Box Butte County. Um, the rest were all identified as fusarium grimiarum, which is the, the typical fungus that that has caused fusarium head blight here in Nebraska on wheat. So this, as I said, was the first report of fusarium boothii causing fusarium head blight of wheat in the United States. Previously, we had only known fusarium germiarum to cause fusarium head blight here in the US, but both pathogens belong to the fusarium germiarum species complex and that is actually made up of 16 different species of fusarium. Um, but fusarium boothii has been reported in Texas and South Dakota on corn and as the cause of fusarium head blight of wheat. Uh, and so down south, they have seen it there. In gibberella ear rot of corn in several counties, including countries, excuse me, including Mexico and uh, South Africa. So we will be collecting samples for this project because it, uh, Fusarium boothii can cause 
uh, that ear rotten corn. So we can also see it there. So management for fusarium head blight caused by fusarium boothii is the same as that for fusarium grumiarum. So cultivar resistance, crop rotation, residue management, uh, irrigation management, and chemical control. All right, so we're going to go ahead and move into the last section of this PowerPoint and talk about the plant and pest diagnostic clinic fee increases. So credit card payments are now being accepted for the diagnostic clinic, but due to the associated costs, there will be a slight increase in clinic fees. So the basic diagnostic cost is $20. This includes a visual and microscopic pathogen ID and management recommendations for when you submit a sample. So if you need more intensive diagnostic tests typically require an additional 10 to $40, depending on what tests need to be done. So some of these to denote our corn nematode test is $40. However, our soybean cyst nematode test is free thanks to the Nebraska Soybean Board. So if you do wanna pull some samples to look for soybean cyst nematodes, um, you can pull those any time of year, anytime you can get a soil probe in the ground. Um, I recommend you can send those in for free and that's, that's a great perk that we currently have. So confirmation of uncommon pathogens may require tests at outside labs, which could excuse me, could, which may carry additional fees. So here are some of the services provided by the diagnostic clinic on campus. We can ID and provide management for biotic and abiotic diseases. So biotic, so fungicide, a bacterium, a nematode, a virus, so our pathogens. And then our abiotic would be our, envi our environmental stresses, nutrient deficiencies, those types of um, conditions. We can ID anthropod pests and provide management recommendations. So insects and mites, for example. We can ID unknown weeds and diagnose herbicide injury based on visual symptoms. Services not provided by the diagnostic clinic are herbicide injury is determined solely based on visual inspection. No chemical analysis is performed. If more tests is desired, we can direct you to an outside lab that provides residue analysis. The clinic is unable to provide soil nutrient testing or residue testing. And the clinic is not set up to test for my mycotoxins. So fungal pathogens known to produce mycotoxins can be ID'd, but further analysis would need to be done at an outside lab. And we can definitely point you in the right direction and recommend um, some labs that provide those services. All right, so let's transition into recommendations on how to submit a good sample. So this is very important because in order for our diagnostician to give you the best answer, we need the best sample to be able to provide those uh, guide or to, to provide you those answers. So send several whole plants, roots in all stages of the symptoms, include normal plants so we can see the one that is having symptoms versus a normal plant. So we have a comparison or a baseline. Enclose, enclose the root ball in a plastic bag separate from the leaf material. Place entire sample into a plastic bag. 
provide as much information as possible. So this includes the crop growth stage, symptoms distribution uh, throughout the field. Are you seeing it in certain low line areas? Are you seeing it up against a tree line? You know, where are you seeing those symptoms throughout the field or is it just a, a localized area? Uh, really good description of the symptoms and how many plants in the area are affected. Um, is it just a single plant that you're seeing it or maybe it's a whole group of plants? So the more information you can provide really helps our diagnostician um, be able to provide more information. And mail samples Monday through Wednesday via FedEx or UPS. And the reason for that is we don't want those samples sitting over the weekend in the mail facility because that allows them time to start rotting and decaying. And so really we wanna get those to us as fast as possible. Um, so that way we can provide you good information. So some more do nots, <laughs> do not add water to your sample. If there's an excess water with the sample, add dry towels to absorb the moisture. Uh, the water is gonna allow it again to start rotting um, or it, when it's hot, it'll start basically steaming the plant uh, when it's sitting in, in the facilities. Do not leave the sample on the dash of the pickup. Keep the sample cool. So refrigerate it overnight or over the weekend if necessary. So you can pop that in your fridge to hold it so that way you can mail it out on Monday or drop it off in person. And do not place samples in a paper bag, especially if it's leaf samples. Um, and do not mail Thursday or Friday, because again, we don't want those samples sitting in those facilities. Uh, we want the freshest sample possible so we can really get in there and make sure that we're seeing the pathogen that may be causing the disease and not a pathogen um, you know, or, or something that has taken over the sample uh, because it was sitting. So here's some information on the Plant Pest Diagnostic Clinic. Here we have Kyle Broderick, this is our diagnostician. And then here's a QR code, this will take you to the Plant Pest Diagnostic Clinic website. And this is the form that we need you to fill out for sample submission. And it's available at this link right here. And with that, here are some crop disease resources. Uh, crop Watch is always a very good one, very timely. Um, Market Journal, we have videos on YouTube at the UNL Crop Watch channel. Crop Prote Protection Network has a lot of really good information. And then we, several of us from the plant pathology team are on Twitter, so you can follow, follow us for updates on Twitter. And as always, you can always reach out to your local county extension office and uh, county-based, or excuse me, crop educators are located throughout the state and we're always here to help. And with that, thank you for your time.